Hey, what's up and welcome to the show. Today, I'm here to talk to you about the number one thing on every Xbox fan's calendar, and that is, of course, the Xbox Game Showcase this Thursday, July 23rd. I want to talk about my predictions for the show, what I expect to see, my hopes and dreams, and a gigantic Hail Mary that couldn't possibly be true. But what if it was? What if it was? Before we get started though, I just want to say that I'm kind of rushing to get this video out before the event, so there's not going to be many edits, there's not going to be many cuts, it's going to be extremely rough. I super apologize for that, uh, but I hope you like it anyway. I hope the information and the predictions and, and the speculation that I have is enough entertainment where you can look past how huge of an amateur I am and how bad I am at YouTube. So without further ado, let's get started at the place that makes the most sense to start with, and that is the pre-show. Now I know you're not here to hear about the pre-show. A lot of people might not even know that there is a pre-show, but all the big cats at, at Xbox, I'm talking Phil, I'm talking Major, I'm talking Aaron, all of those guys are making sure that we know that there is a pre-show, that there's going to be reveals, and the biggest man on campus himself, Mr. Jeff Keeley, fellow Canadian, he's going to be there, and he wouldn't be there unless there was something cool to show. So let's talk about what I think could happen at the pre-show. Now, I know a lot of you didn't come here to necessarily hear about a pre-show, but I think it's being a little bit uh, overlooked. I don't think they spend as much time tweeting about it. I don't think they hire the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Keighley, to run it if there isn't something worth watching. So I want to spend a tiny bit of time here talking about the pre-show. Now, a strategic use for the pre-show, in my opinion, would be to talk about things that are more relevant to the current gen, uh, things like DLC, additions to current games, stuff like that. And I think it's a really good opportunity for both Obsidian and Double Fine, who are confirmed to be at the showcase, to make their presence known early. I think it's a great spot, in my opinion, for a Outer Worlds DLC trailer. That game has fantastic writing, fantastic storytelling, so anything that expands the story in that game is going to be a really good thing to see. I think that... The work that they're doing on Grounded is incredible. I think that Grounded is so well realized. The fact, like how well they nailed the concept of that game is incredible. I think that game's going to have some serious legs. The only thing that's missing is multiplayer. And if they have some way to announce or showcase that multiplayer is coming to the test environment, whether that's an expansion on the preview build or perhaps even a beta, open beta, even a closed beta, anything to showcase that multiplayer is coming, get it in people's hands. I think that's a big deal. I think that Ninja Theory recently showcased uh, the next hero that's coming to Bleeding Edge, Asriel. He looks like a badass punk angel, and a gameplay trailer showcasing what he can do it would be a really good moment uh, for the pre-show. There's also Double Fine, who we know is working on Psychonauts 2. We know Psychonauts 2 is supposed to come out this year. We just don't know when, so the pre-show would be a perfect time to have a release date trailer, perhaps, or even a uh, launch trailer, perhaps like Long Shot Hail Mary here, but perhaps even a shadow drop of Psychonauts 2 would be pretty huge. However, I think the ultimate shadow drop candidate of the pre-show is absolutely Battletoads from Rare and Delala Studios. That game just received ratings in Brazil, which translates to this game is coming out real soon. However, if they did shadow drop Battletoads, there would be a very small percentage of people that I'm a part of that would be extremely devastated for two reasons. One, 
we collect physical games and physical games just don't normally come with shadow dropped conference announcements. If a game gets shadow dropped, the retailers have to know and they don't do that with non-digital titles usually. And two, more importantly, if there's no physical release for Battletoads, there is not a single person on earth who could call EB Games or GameStop or whoever, Blockbuster, and ask them if they have Battletoads, which, as we all know, is the main reason why Microsoft is rebooting that franchise. I'm just kidding. That game looks really, really fun, and I really can't wait to play it. I love Battletoads so much. Please, please, Shadow Drop Battletoads. Keeping with first party, though, I think that there's a possibility we could see a launch trailer for Wasteland 3. That game's release is approaching very quickly. It's coming in August, and I think that game's flying under the radar. The pre-show is going to have a lot of eyes on it. I think it's a great opportunity to kind of remind people that this game is awesome, looks awesome, and is coming soon. I also think that the pre-show is a perfect opportunity to showcase some new indie games, uh, some make some indie announcements. I think that indie games are kind of the lifeblood of the game industry as a whole. I think that they are the bravest developers out there. They're the most willing to take chances and innovate. And I think that they definitely deserve to have a platform as big as this to have all those eyes on their announcements. Uh, without the criticism that kind of comes with them being intermingled with bigger announcements. Uh, what I mean by that is this showcase is meant to be a showpiece for the Series X console. I have a big hunch that they're going to lead in with Halo and have a like huge extended gameplay uh, demo of Halo. And that's going to have a lot of people uh, excited. It's going to really set the bar for what the console is capable of. And the worst thing that you could do after that showcase is over is play a trailer for like Bug Snacks because that just kind of ruins the momentum. It, nothing against Bug Snacks, but that's just a totally different type of game uh, that I think needs to be those games announcements need to be more strategic. I think Sony kind of was all over the place with their conference where they would have these huge, amazing looking games that came out that are like AAA, huge budgets hundreds of developers and it shows and then you have something like goodbye volcano high that comes right after it and it kind of uh ruins the momentum a little bit of the show because people have an expectation of what's going to be shown next and when they see something like goodbye volcano high they're not in the proper headspace to fully appreciate how cool that game actually looks so i think the pre-show is the best place to go uh in terms of making any indie game announcements and stuff like that. I have a feeling with this showcase, the main showcase, uh, we're not going to see the quantity of games that we typically expect to see from an E3 conference. I think that this conference is going to be kind of uh, quality over quantity. And by quality, I mean the the, the reveals quality, uh, how long they are, how much gameplay we see, etc. Not necessarily the game's quality. I'm not trying to disrespect any games. Like I said, I think they are the lifeblood of this entire industry. My final uh, kind of prediction, I guess, for the pre-show or suggestion maybe is that it's a pretty good spot to kind of showcase a little bit of the hardware. Uh, you could put the controllers in the hands of the panel. By the way, I just want to do a little bit of a side tangent. The panel they have is fantastic. I really can't wait to hear what these people have to say. I want to do a special shout out to Paris Lilly from Gamertag Radio who's going to be there. He's one of the most criminally underrated, best 
kind of figures in this community. He's so positive, so optimistic, and provides such good coverage and, and previews of games. 100% recommend checking him out on YouTube or Twitter or subscribing, listening to Gamertag Radio. He's a fantastic, fantastic member of the community that I think deserves a bajillion spotlights on him because of how awesome he is. Anyways, put a controller in those people's hands so people can see the small differences and stuff like that. I think it would be huge to have an actual production line console maybe on a table or cradled in Jeff Kelly's hands like a little baby, just so people can really, really see uh, how small that thing is. I think in the uh, the pictures that you see online, it kind of looks like this huge monolithic tower, but in reality, it's actually quite small, especially compared to the, the PlayStation 5, which is actually quite large. Moving on to the real meat and potatoes of the show, the actual Xbox game showcase. I think it starts how everybody wants it to start, which is a black screen, cold open, no noise, all of a sudden you hear the majestic melodies of the beautiful Halo music and it goes straight into Halo Infinite gameplay and the gameplay lasts an incredibly long amount of time and everybody's blown away by what they see in a perfect world. That's how the game opens. I think that a lot of people, myself included, have a lot of expectations for Halo Infinite. The bar uh, for our approval is pretty high unfortunately for 343 they have a lot uh, of weight on their shoulders not only do they have to kind of uh, justify that they can make a halo game but they also have to justify the weight for this game this has been the longest time between halo games since the original halo uh, they also have to justify the reasoning for building an entirely new engine they have to show us why that was necessary there's a lot of stuff that they have to show and to be quite honest, I think 343 can do it. I have a lot of faith in 343. I think that they, this is going to be controversial, I think they made the greatest Halo campaign, at least from a story perspective with Halo 4. And I think they really, really, really nailed the multiplayer in Halo 5. I think it falls just shy of Halo 2 for the best multiplayer. The problem is, is that Halo 4's campaign and Halo 5's multiplayer are two completely different games and both of those games have other components to them which were done obscenely poorly the multiplayer in halo 4 at launch it actually is really good to this day if you kind of take away all of the stuff that they made and just play it at its base and the campaign for halo 5 were bad like they were bad i, I hate to say it there now don't get me wrong there was tons of things about them that were amazing uh, there is a lot of talent, obviously, at 343i, and it shows in, in the Halo 4 multiplayer and in the Halo 5 campaign. There was just some bad decisions that were, were made, maybe from above, uh, some bad di direction decisions, let's say. I don't want to put it on any one person. Uh, I don't want to vilify the company because I think that they're one of the most talented studios uh, on the market right now. Uh, and I think they can pull this off. I think they had the time. They obviously had the money. They have the engine that's to their liking. They know what the fans want. And to be honest, after Halo 5's kind of debacle, let's call it, of a launch, or with its campaign anyway, and its marketing, Hunt the Truth, by the way, so good. I hope they bring it back. But, I mean, obviously this time, have it actually kind of tie into what really happens in the story. But anyways... I think that since that game's come out, Halo 5, they have done a lot of amazing things. MCC is the best collection of video games ever in history. There is not a single collection that's better than it, and it's continuously getting better. They have stuck to that game like glue, and they continue to kind of pump out content for it and improve it and add things that are like 
beyond what we could have imagined that game becoming. And it works. It actually works now, which is perfect. Halo Wars 2 is a triumphant return to the art style that everybody wants to see in Halo. They clearly are listening. I hope that they can pull this off. I have a ton of faith that they can do it, and I just can't wait to see what they've done. I think after Halo, there's not a whole lot that uh, I can say with absolute certainty that will be there. Uh, they've actually done a really good job, knock on wood so far, of kind of keeping everything under wraps. There hasn't been a lot of leaks. I do think that it's pretty obvious, though, that uh, Turn 10 is going to be there in some capacity. I think that Turn 10 is such a well-oiled machine and such experts uh, at their craft when it comes to racing games that I can't believe that there's been two years that have gone by and they don't have something uh that's that's ready to be shown so i i have a feeling that they're going to be there and they're going to showcase what's next in forza motorsport uh the more simulation side of things and like those types of games those racing games are perfect uh for a console showcase or showpiece because they don't have a ton of stuff uh that can that bogs systems down there's not a ton of uh, AI and particle effects and different things that, that kind of tax the system. So you can really, really, really pump up the textures, pump up the frame rates, and really make a standout piece. And I think that it has to be part of the showcase. I would bet money on it being there. However, I don't think that it's going to be a launch title with the console. I don't think Microsoft pumps as much money into marketing Dirt 5 as they have been if uh, Forza is going to launch right alongside it, which I think is actually a really good thing. I think that as good as Forza is, and it's so good, like the it's consistently 90 or higher every release since the original release on the Xbox One, like OG Xbox. Um, but every time they come out, they're going up against like the titans of the fall. And I know racing and shooters and adventure games and, and like the big kind of AAA games that come out in the fall, like they're pretty far apart, but people only have so much money to spend on games uh, in a season. And a lot of the times they overlook Forza to go on to something like Call of Duty or Battlefield or even Halo, like, like Destiny, different huge games that come out in the fall. So if they can bump Forza to the spring, like Q1, Q2, it's still in that launch window. It's going to be coming to Game Pass, and it's going to be releasing in a time where maybe someone who buys Call of Duty every year no matter what has a little bit of spare change in their wallet, and they can go ahead and, and pick up Forza, or at least maybe subscribe to Game Pass to pick it up that way. And after that, honestly, there's not a ton of stuff that's rumored. So most of the stuff going forward is going to be pure speculation on my part. Uh, however, I did want to touch on one rumor that I think uh, kind of needs to be mentioned or talked about. It's a little bit ridiculous in my opinion, uh, but it's related to acquisitions. So a lot of people obviously are talking about WB and and them looking to, to sell off their gaming division and potentially Microsoft is interested. I think that uh, Microsoft probably like you know, window shopped a little bit. I, I think that they're doing their due diligence, but I don't think it makes sense for literally anybody to purchase uh, all of those studios like in a Costco size lump sum. Uh, I think that uh, the only like real suitor for that would probably be Google because they don't really have a portfolio yet. Uh, but I think that even they know that Stadia has a lot of issues and the amount of money that it would cost to buy all those studios, it just doesn't make sense at this point. I think what's going to eventually happen with, with that whole situation is that uh, WB is also going to realize that. Um, the reason why, by the way, is there's just so many salaries. Um, WB is not just Rocksteady and NetherRealm. 
It's also Traveler's Tale, Monolith. There's five internal WB studios. There's Traveler's Tales. There's a PR team. There's a marketing team. There's a ton of people employed in the publishing side. It's just there's so many salaries. And you don't want to be the guy that buys all these studios and then lays off thousands of people because you really only wanted NetherRealm or you really only wanted Rocksteady. It's just not a good business move. And I think that everyone is probably thinking the same thing like all the players are probably thinking the same thing and i think eventually uh if wb really wants to get money for those studios they're gonna have to piecemeal them out or 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 part them out uh, for lack of a better term and if they do that and by the way if they do that there's no way that any of that gets announced uh on thursday there's just so much legal stuff that has to happen before anything can be realistically announced it's the same reason why obsidian and in exile weren't announced at e3 it was they waited until xo because they just the legal stuff just hadn't been fully the ink hadn't dried dried for lack of a better term so what i think would happen is they would part them out and if they did that i think the one that makes the most sense for xbox honestly uh is monolith i think monolith in that entire conglomerate of studios is the only studio that has released uh, original successful IPs consistently. Fear 1, 2, and 3, although not all of the Fear games are critical successes, they all did score well and they all sold pretty well. And also, No One Lives Forever was a fantastic shooter on uh, PC back in the day, and none of those games are tied to a WB license or IP. Um, WB may own those licenses or IPs after acquiring the studio, but they're not reliant on like Batman or um, like any other Warner Brothers IP. Uh, things like Rocksteady, like they don't get me wrong, Rocksteady is incredibly talented, but the, they're well known uh, and they're, they're really well known for their Batman games. They haven't really done anything outside of Batman uh, that really kind of wets my whistle, for lack of a better term. And Monolith is also located right in Washington, like right beside Microsoft. So they're right in the family. They're they're next door to uh, 343. So like there's the the ability to share like technology or even staff because of the proximity. Like if people want to move between different locations where it makes sense for the product, like that's a really big bonus. So I think Monolith makes like the most sense if they were to pick and choose which one of those studios they wanted. They could end up with some really valuable IPs like Fear. Uh, they could reboot No Unless Forever, remaster it. Like both of those things would sell pretty well, especially on Game Pass. And you have a huge talented studio that's been making really good games, like Shadow of of War, Shadow of Mordor. Both of those games are like WBIPs, but the games themselves are really good. So they have shown that they've been able to to make good games and not always have to rely on those IPs, which is which is fantastic. And the games that they're making also are in a genre that Xbox is kind of lacking in. So it's kind of a double win there. And also just I want to mention that I know NetherRealm uh, obviously has a successful track record with original IPs in Mortal Kombat. Uh, but I don't think that you can really, if you take Mortal Kombat, if you buy another realm and you make Mortal Kombat a exclusive to some platform, that's going to just ruffle a lot of feathers. Also, I think that Xbox already has a fantastic fighting game in Killer Instinct. I think a lot of people in the, in the fighting game community, especially will, will, uh, testify to that. And, uh, I don't think it really makes sense to spend as much money as it would take to buy that studio. Uh, if they're going to continue to pump out uh, more Mortal Kombat's that you're inevitably going to have to make uh, multi-platform because 
they need every ounce of good publicity that they can get. Microsoft does. And if they release Mortal Kombat, uh, not on PlayStation or not on PC, that's just going to kind of derail everything that they've been working so hard on. With all that being said, though, I don't think that that means that there won't be any news on the acquisition front at the conference. I do think that there will be something. And before I reveal what it is, let me just set the table here. Microsoft, one of its core strengths, in my opinion, is its variety and its IPs. I think with Nintendo, you have a certain type of, uh, quote, Nintendo game that they constantly release, although there are some very variations to that, and they, they do have sprinkle in some variety in some places. Same with PlayStation. The, quote, PlayStation game is your, uh, like, Uncharted, your Last of Us, your Ghost of Tsushima, your Death Strandings, your Order 1886, your Horizon Zero Dawn's a third-person action-adventure games, they do them to perfection, and I think that they do them a lot. I think that Xbox, however, has a huge variety in what they invest in and what they release. Uh, racing games, you have like Forza for uh, simulation, you have Forza Horizon for arcade shooters, you have Halo and Gears platformers, you have Ori, uh, you have Double Fine who specializes in platformers, RPGs, you have Wasteland 3, you know Obsidian is working on an RPG, uh, Action Adventure, there's Fable that's rumored, Everwild is seemingly looking like an action adventure game, Hellblade 2 looks like an action adventure game, multiplayer only games, you have Bleeding Edge, you have Sea of Thieves, Survival or like crafting games, you have Minecraft, Grounded, State of Decay, real-time strategy you have age of vampires halo wars fighting games you have killer instinct i think you get the point by now they kind of have all of their bases covered but in that list there is something missing and that's horror um and horror i think is a really important piece for game pass because i think both of those things are the ultimate best friend for each other and what i mean by that is the main uh thing that gets in the way for horror games uh is the accessibility of them a lot of times people are hesitant to play a horror game because they're like scared i'm not afraid to admit i get scared of horror games a lot of people do a lot of people don't want to spend money on a product that they end up getting scared of and don't want to touch it and horror game or game pass kind of removes that barrier uh, all it takes is one button and the game is downloaded if your friends are over and you feel a lot better playing a horror game with somebody or with a group of people because it's entertaining just like watching a horror movie it's a lot easier to hit a button in game pass than it is to actually physically like spend 20 30 40 50 dollars on a horror title so that kind of goes hand in hand and how horror games help game pass is horror games are typically not these like uh, like 50, 60, 100 hour uh, games. They're usually like more condensed, tighter experiences, like five hours to 10 hours. And those games are just simply like a lot of times easier to make. Um, and if they're easier to make and they're faster to make, then they're easier to turn them out. Um, what if I told you that there was a studio that in the last three years released four horror games and most of those horror games uh, had like critical acclaim. Uh, the first one was a 78 on Metacritic, next one was a 63, and then an 86 and 67. But even those 60 scores, they all had reviewers that had eights and like eight plus scores. Like they were well liked games. They did receive good reviews from people. And what if I told you that the people that made those games also are making a game that was heavily featured in the May event for Xbox that's coming to Series X exclusively and was probably the best showcase of the hardware, honestly, at that May event. 
uh, a lot of that gameplay that they shown was taking full advantage of the SSD and it looked fantastic. And what if I told you that that studio is an independent studio that has a working relationship with, with Xbox. The first game on that list that I was talking about earlier was one of the original game preview games. And yeah, if you don't know what it is by now, that studio is Bloober Team. Bloober Team is probably the best developer right now when it comes to horror if you consider both quality and quantity obviously resident evil 7 is a huge huge hit but resident evil 7 like they're not releasing a new resident evil game every year aside from remakes and that relies heavily on brand ip and obviously capcom is a huge huge team they're not going to get bought by microsoft but bloober team like four games in three years that's like music to the ears of an executive at game pass and they're highly like rated and they fit the only hole in the entire pie for microsoft's game studios as far as their variety goes so i think bloober team makes the most sense absolutely uh, for, for a potential acquisition and why it makes sense for a bloober team is including the medium the last four games that they've released have had different publishers and that's extremely stressful for an indie company because you don't always know where, where your the next paycheck's coming from. You might have all these crazy ideas, but you have to waste a lot of valuable time where you could be making those ideas, pitching them to different publishers to try to get funding. And, and that's a huge hurdle that they have to overcome uh, before a game can move from concept to production. And having a strong first party, not only can you leverage the technology that Microsoft has shared between all of its developers, which will make your development easier, uh, but you know that whatever cool ideas you have Microsoft's going to facilitate that and you don't have to spend time going from publisher to publisher to pitch your game and hopefully someone takes it so I think it's a win-win for both teams I think it completes the puzzle for Microsoft and I think it allows a blooper team to kind of grow even further and maybe even approach Capcom in terms of the kings of horror um, just in general not having to add that caveat of quantity on top uh, so yeah, I think that's the most likely acquisition. I think that acquisition makes the most sense and I really hope it happens because Bloober team is so underrated The the observer, if you haven't played that, you should definitely check it out, uh, or wait until the fall because they're releasing the, the remaster of that game. It's great. And rest in peace, uh, Rutger Hauer moving on to third party, um, there's not a lot that's kind of leaked with third party and third party could literally uh, kind of be anything. I, I am definitely more knowledgeable on Microsoft and PlayStation than any individual third party developer. Uh, so it's hard to say what uh, could happen with third party. However, I will say that it uh, it's not a probably not a coincidence that Bethesda hasn't had a showcase this year and that the next Call of Duty hasn't been announced yet. So I wouldn't... Uh, put it out of the realm of possibility that you could see the new Call of Duty announced at the Xbox briefing uh, in a way that shows some sick gameplay and shows how it takes advantage of the Series X. It would be a really big gain for Microsoft to get that marketing back. And I think it's gonna, that would be a good scenario for the gamer too, the COD players, because Microsoft has stated several times that they're not in the business of exclusion. They don't want to pay a developer money so that other people won't be able to play the game outside of Xbox. That's not how they run their business anymore at least. And that is a win-win for everybody. You don't have to wait 30 days or whatever for map packs if you're on PlayStation, if Xbox wins the marketing rights for that franchise. Uh, it's good for Xbox, it's good for Activision, and it's good for the Call of Duty players. So I think that is a possibility uh, with Bethesda. Uh, I think that it 
it's a good opportunity to maybe reveal Starfield. That game has been in development long enough, in my opinion, where they should have something to show. Um, and I think that that could be a reason why they didn't have their own conference. Um, they probably don't have much else outside of Starfield, or at least enough to fill an entire conference. Uh, and honestly, I don't. I wouldn't put it past Bethesda to uh, pull out of having a conference and then auction off the opportunity to kind of showcase uh, Starfield between the the two major players, Sony and Xbox. So I think it's possible that uh, that could make an appearance there, and uh, I wouldn't be super surprised if it does. Also, there's uh, Elden Ring, which was shown off at the last E3 conference. Uh, Xbox has the marketing rights of that game. There's It's been heavily rumored uh, by the folks, at least at the... Uh, uh, or cetera, Xbox podcast, uh, that there was supposed to be Elden Ring gameplay shown earlier in the year. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me to see that finally show its face, uh, at this event, which would be really cool to see. Last but not least, I have one more third party prediction that I want to make. And for this one, I'm going to need to set the stage a little bit. So picture this. Phil Spencer is in his dining room. He looks fantastic as usual. He's talking about all the amazing things we saw, especially Halo Infinite. He mentions that in 2001, when they launched Halo, it was a game changer and it really catapulted Xbox to where it is today. And they can't wait to replicate that success from 2001 with Halo Infinite. But then he says there was also a huge launch in the fall of 2002 that really helped push xbox forward as well and we really want to and then the screen cuts to black dead silence no one knows what's going on people are checking the comments or the the chat to see if if it's happening to them too and then all of a sudden you see three green lights and hear this and everyone loses their goddamn minds Splinter Cell coming back to Xbox, especially as an exclusive, would be the biggest mic drop moment you could possibly make in terms of third party, and I think Xbox has the money to do it. Ubisoft has said in the past that the reason why there hasn't been a Splinter Cell since Blacklist in 2013 is that they're too afraid to make a Splinter Cell game because of how passionate the fans are. Literally, he said that. But if Phil Spencer showed up and said, don't worry about it, pal, here's a Brinks truck full of money. You don't have to worry about losing anything. We'll pay for everything. Just sit back and relax and enjoy the hype. And they somehow pulled us off and make Splinter Cell a exclusive to Xbox. Even if it's not exclusive, just the marketing rights alone, the fact that it's announced there in that way that I just kind of played, that would be fantastic. And I think that would be the biggest thing that they could do in terms of third party. So that's all I have in terms of third party. Uh, moving on to the end of the show, it seems like Microsoft at this point has kind of already shot their biggest shot with Halo. But uh, I think what we all expect to see happens, I think that Fable is shown off. I think Playground Games is making it, perhaps with uh, with some auxiliary help from, from some of the developers we haven't heard much from, like Compulsion, perhaps, I'm not sure. But I think that it's going to be a reboot and not a sequel. I think slapping a number four on a franchise that hasn't had a new game uh, in the last decade almost is going to be really intimidating for people that are new to the franchise. I mean, there's a lot of people that just were like, say, five or six years old when Fable 3 came out, and now they're like 15, 14, 15. So they don't want to have to feel like that they've missed out on three games worth of content. Uh, a reboot kind of alleviates that, and I think that makes the most sense. Um, I think Playground is definitely capable of it. I hope that they add a whole bunch of new stuff to kind of attract a new audience, but also um, make sure that the fans are pleased with what they do of the previous games. Myself, uh, I know this sounds bad, but I haven't actually played 
really played any of the mainline Fable games or any of the Fable games in general. Um, even though I tell you I'm an Xbox fan, I know that kind of probably makes you question it a little bit. But I promise if they show Fable reboot and it looks good, and keep in mind I'm like super easy to please. If it looks good, I promise you I'm going to play all three of the Fable games from start to finish. And I'm going to create videos and content on those games, reviews, and my opinions on them. I promise it's one of their biggest franchises and it's pretty much a shame that I haven't uh, played them. So I definitely am going to try to do that before the release of the new one. So hopefully it's not a shadow drop or else I'll be totally screwed. Anyways, rounding out the rest of the first party, uh, Rare, I they haven't said they're going to be there, but I do think that it's a good opportunity to show more of Everwild. The only thing we know about Everwild is that Rare is a talented studio. They're making it and it looks beautiful. Uh, Undead Labs, I'm not sure that they have uh, had enough time since uh, their work kind of ended on State of Decay 2 to really have anything to show, so I'm not convinced that they're going to be there. I think they are an XO candidate, though. Uh, I believe that uh, Compulsion could have something to show, but I don't know. I think that they were in the middle of kind of uh, uh, growing the studio significantly. So, I, like I said, I think they could be maybe helping with Fable, uh, or starting a brand new IP, and if they are starting a brand new IP, I'm not convinced that it's going to be far enough along uh, to show. That might be shown off next year, or perhaps like tease that XO. Uh, World's Edge, I think that Age of Empires is uh, a pre-show candidate. I know I forgot to mention it there, but I'm not sure that it uh, is really going to shine as much as it should uh, at this showcase, because this showcase is going to be full of basically console warriors that really want to see the best of the best of the series X and world and age of empires is, is a PC title uh, for the most part. And that leaves us with one last studio, the initiative they have said, they're not going to be there, but I don't think that they have to be there to show a trailer of what they're doing. Um, this probably won't happen at all, but I want to predict what I think that they should be working on or what I think would be an amazing thing to work on. A lot of people think that they're involved with a Perfect Dark remake. To be quite honest, I think that um, Perfect Dark, the original Perfect Dark, should probably be remaked in, in like a Resident Evil 2 remake kind of way. And I think that might actually be a good thing for Compulsion to work on. Uh, but let's get back to the initiative. I don't think that they're going to be building Perfect Dark, a reboot, or a remake, or a sequel. I think that they formed this studio, they put all these talented people together to make something that's their own. I don't think you attract the type of talent that you attract, that they attracted and they had hired in the studio, uh, just to tell them that, oh, by the way, you're going to be rebooting an old existing IP. I'm not sure that that kind of pulls in the type of talent that they got there, because they have, like, seriously some of the best of the best working at that studio and running things. So I'm going to kind of pitch... Uh, a game that I think would be totally rad if they were working on. Now picture this. You have a Amy Hennig written Uncharted-like action-adventure game that is beyond anything you've ever seen visually and performs beautifully on the new console that takes place in a alternate history, like 60s-era Crimson Skies universe-like environment where you have insane on-ground action set pieces that also include flight set pieces that are at the level of Uncharted 4 or even beyond and the multiplayer suite includes a combination of both Crimson Sky style flying and ground combat. It has a beautiful cast of the best of the best like the Troy Bakers of the world, the Laura Baileys of the world 
in an original IP that kind of goes right for the throat of the type of game that Sony's so good at and competes with them directly, I think that that would be mind-blowing. However, that's probably not going to happen. I have a feeling that the geniuses at the initiative have something in store that no one could possibly predict, and I really can't wait to see what it is. But that's kind of it. I, I think that's uh, all I can really predict at this moment. I've kind of gone on for 35 minutes so far. I don't think that we see a price. Uh, I don't think that we see a Series S or a Lockhart device uh, because you can't really announce one and not the other. Like the whole point of the Lockhart is the price, so you can't announce that and not show a price. I think that uh, the game of chicken between Sony and Xbox uh, continues. However, I think that Xbox should just put it on the table and just announce the price before Sony. Like They shouldn't be as concerned with Sony over the price because if they launch this thing at $500, I don't think Sony can go lower than $500 and I just think that they're in a position of strength right now. They know that they like objectively have the more powerful device. After this conference, they're going to know that they object objectively have more hype around the games that they've shown uh, if all goes as planned. And I think that they should just as early as maybe the August uh, 2020, they should just say, look, this is the price. This is the Series S. Um, bang. That's what we have. Pre-order now. And uh, I don't think that Sony is really going to be uh, able to go below 500. And honestly, I think that Sony is cocky and arrogant enough, which is deserved because of their insane success last gen, where they won't feel that they have to uh, go lower. I think that what they don't want to happen is for them to go higher. I think what they why Sony is waiting is because they just want to sell at the same price as Microsoft. They're hoping that Microsoft's not desperate enough to kind of like go so far below cost and sell this thing for like $300, $400, which I don't think is going to happen either. I think $500 is well below cost already. Uh, and I think Sony's just waiting for that so they can sell it at the same price. So if I was Microsoft, you're, you're, you're leading in spec, you're leading in games, uh, and you should just be like, bam, here's the price. Like, we're not concerned, Sony. You do you, we'll do us. We think that we are selling something that's significantly better. And we think that we have the best product. So the price and the product will speak for itself. We feel like we're in a position of power. And here you go. This is the price. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I know this has been a long one. I hope that... Uh, I didn't say anything that was too outrageous. Uh, if you, th if I did anything wrong or said anything wrong, please leave a comment and let me know. Uh, if you have any predictions that are different or contradicting what I'm saying, please also let me know. I would love to discuss it with you. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, and I'll see you again later.